This is not happening. Here's your host, Ari Shafir. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Is Not Happening Presents So Messed Up. On this episode, we have Joey Diaz. How are you, Joey Diaz? You know me, my favorite Jew. I love you to death. Yeah, so thank you very much for coming and doing this show. Um, do you have anything to say about this before we start? I think this is one of my best stories and meant the most to be about getting off block. Yeah, it was interesting That's to watch. It. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. So, all right, here we go. Joey Diaz's story. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend yours, Mr. Joey Diaz, everybody. <laughs> One more time for Ari to put this together. We're all messed up, you know. Like half of the motherfuckers in here have been all fucked up, all right? Uh, on drugs, something, we love somebody. Something's always fucking us up. For me, it was 30 years of just drugs. And, and no fucking JK here. We got down, bitch. All right, so when he called me up and he's like, hey, I want you to do the story. I did like, I got high, right? I smoked a joint, right? And I, and I made like a drug tombstone, right? Like, like acid, you know, 79 to like 85. Then one night me and him bought it and we were too cheap to pay for the whole Pink Floyd ticket. And the acid sucks, so it don't fucking count. The last time I did it was 85, right? And then I did like Quaaludes, you know, 80 to 87 and, you know, THC Crystal. And I went, and then the only things that didn't have the finishing dates were heroin and reefer, right? Like I love fucking smoking reefer. Uh, in fact, I ate the same cookie fucking Ari ate when he went to the UFC. I'm fucked up right now. You understand me? I kicked this motherfucker off about 1.30 on the epileptical. I did about 27 minutes. So this motherfucker's off and running right now. You follow me? I ain't fucking around. So let's get down, motherfucker. Right? So, so uh, you know, I did blow for a long time. Towards the end, in 2005, I was fucked up. And I really wanted to quit. I wanted to quit at the 25-year mark. You follow me? But I, I just... I couldn't do it. Like, once I hit that centennial, I had to fucking do something. But I had too much pride to go to a rehab. There was a rehab on Hollywood Boulevard next to Robeck. I went down there for like a week under an alias. But then they started snooping around. I had to get the fuck out of there, right? In the old days, you could push an alias like a motherfucker. After 9-11, it's tough out there for a pimp. You follow me? So fuck it. They started at Jose, what? Fuck you, motherfucker. None of your business. It's fucking anonymous. What's with the questions, cocksucker? So... I didn't know, and I had four drug dealers. I had an Armenian, right? I had a black dude, I had a Mexican dude that played the guitar at a Mexican restaurant. I put the $20 in the hole and he'd open his arm and a Coke rock would fall out. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. You can't write this shit, right? Because I didn't want them all to know how bad the addiction was. And I had a secret, I had a guy, I didn't even know his name. He worked off of Western and Sunset. You had to drive your car up and down, like by Burger King, and after about three minutes, you could hear him running after the car. He fell out of a tree and he'd get you in the angle of pursuit, right? He'd just catch you. And he'd come to the window and he didn't fuck around. This was an old time drug dealer. He wasn't one of these guys on like, you know, some fucking show. Like, are you a cop? Fuck no. He just put a Coke rock in your nose. He didn't fuck around. He just put it in there whether you want it or not. Fuck it. You're doing it, cocksucker. It's over. And there I am at the light in front of Pollo Loco, right? Whatever that. It's two in the morning. And he'd go, what do you want? You give him 50 bucks and he'd just give it to you. No aluminum foil. No nothing. You had to drive home like a pizza man with a coke rock on your fucking hand down sunset sweating fucking bullets invading the offices. Or anyway, I'm fucked up at the time, right? So I'd done heroin before, right? Like when I was like 17, I, I stole this thing with Didi Cantero, this little fucking crazy Cuban kid. We stole like this thing where you put dishes in. It was brand new. The people left it in front of the people's houses. 
Me and Diddy picked it up and walked five blocks to go, 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 go to Brown's house. If you ask me again, I'll knock you down, right? This fucking guy was like a 28-year-old loser, but his grandmother died and left him like millions, and he collected the Beatles shit. He was like the neighborhood loan shark. Like, if you stole something, he'd buy it from you. So I go over there, and I'm like, you know, I want to sell you this. He's like, you drop it off and come back in two hours. He looked like Tony Iommi, the guitar player from Black Sabbath. And he always entered the door with a robe and his underwear showing like the fucking dude in Boogie Nights. He was, he was, he was creepy, but not really. You know what I'm saying? Like, you had to take a chance with this motherfucker, right? So he goes, come back in two hours. I go in there, we're rocking, we're talking shit, right? He goes, I got you $60. In the middle of this fucking nod, he goes, hey, you want your dick sucked? Now I'm 17, you know, when you're 17, you want your dick sucked, right? Now you know this new thing, cougar, you're 40 and you're getting your dick sucked? You're not a cougar, you're a whore. This bitch that he had was like 82, right? She came out with a bum leg and a thing and she was sucking his dick, I'm telling you. This was a fucked up scene. Now when you're, when you're 16, if you're over 20, you're an old bitch, you follow me? Like, fuck that dirty bitch, she's 21, fuck that bitch, right? I'm like, are you fucking serious, Gunther? Sandy's like, hang out, man. I want to do business and hang out with you. You seem like a cool dude. So I'm sitting there. He's like, you want to do some heroin? At the time, I had done everything, right? Like, uh, you know, Coke. I had done, like, uh, Tuminols. I had done, like, uh, THC Crystal, a.k.a. Gorilla Biscuits, a.k.a. fucking elephant tranquilizers, right? We'd do, like, $3, $3 a piece. You get a $10 bag, and we go into New York City and go from 48th Street all the way to 178th Street, and then we'd find each other, play three-card Monty. Oh, it was fucking tremendous. It was like gorilla powder. You'd be walking around, and you'd lose your friends. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck it, if you want. At this time, I was a fucked-up kid. You know, I had no direction. I said, fuck it, I'll do the heroin, right? And I did this gag or this white Chinese fucking heroin. I heard, like, Chinese music in the background. Ding, ding, they get it, get in. Ding, ding, they get it, get in. Diani. I do this thing, and all of a sudden, it's like the fucking room starts spinning, and I got to puke, and I puke, and I, and I pass out, and I think I'm dead. But I heard, like, No Quarter by Jimmy Page, the live shit, live from the garden. And that's how I knew I was alive. So I got up on my hands and knees, and I sat with the puke on my face, and fucking Jimmy was blasting. I thought, at the five-minute mark, if you listen to that, uh, the song remains the same. Fucking Jimmy Page drops it like a fucking soldier, especially when you're on heroin. You get the tingles up and down your back, right? And it was on. I felt that heroin, the warmth from God. Like, that's what it is. Your balls are warm. You want to come, but it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to come, but fuck it. It wouldn't be good enough as the warmth you're feeling in your body, my ears. And I could see all these, like, I wasn't hallucinating, but it was so warm. I was feeling like I seen every woman that I've ever seen in my life and made contact with. Not sex. I was too young for that. Like, I seen the lunch lady there, Mrs. Sabatino. <laughs> I seen the lady who gave me birth, you follow me, who smacked me in the ass. I seen the fucking nun who I tackled in the fourth grade. I seen all these bitches in this fucking dream. I seen my mother. Then I seen like the Virgin Mary, and that's when I knew I was fucked up. And she was stripping like she was dancing for no quarter. And that's fucked up right there, right? And I had already made my confirmation. I was fucked up right there. I was, I was fractured as a Catholic already at that age, right? So that was it. When I woke up from that shit, I go, I'll never do heroin again. But I'm lying. I did it again in the halfway house in 94, right? And I did it in New York one time at a gay bar up in the third floor, Ramrod. That's what you do when you're up there. Fuck it. You gotta take a chance. Columbus did, right? You gotta do heroin at a gay bar. Fuck it. That's how you know and shit. You're over there dancing, looking at the gay dudes and shit. Driving them fucking bananas and shit, anyway. 
So it's 2005. I'm living in Hollywood, and I'm doing a fucking grandma blow a night sometimes. That was like a bad night. By 8 o'clock every night, I'd be watching TV, and i get this pain in my fucking soul. And i get my bones would hurt. I, I, I couldn't hear the TV. Like, I wanted to watch something on TV, and I couldn't. And i get in my car, and i take the ATM. I lived on Schrader, and i go all the way to Sunset and fucking uh, Hollywood Ralphs. Rock and Roll Ralphs is an ATM right there. And I swear to my fucking mother's grave, I wouldn't stop for a red light. I didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck. I parked right in front of it, put my hazard lights on. Fuck it, like a doctor. I run without a handicap stick. I don't give a fuck. I take out 60 bucks, and right there, I called a drug dealer. I had a couple of them. The Armenian only came out on the weekends. The black guy was there every night, and the Mexican motherfucker was there like four nights a week. It depended on what shift he was working. So I, I knew all their shifts and shit. So I would go buy a gram, go home, do it in the fucking garage, go upstairs, Make believe I was shitting and jerk off in the bathroom and look out the fucking window. That was the extent of my fucking addiction at the time. Then at 2 o'clock when it wear off, I called another drug dealer so they wouldn't know my addiction. Right? Now, was I going to go to a fucking rehab? Fuck no. So I'm talking to a buddy of mine one day. After 9-11, he moved back to Newark, and he's a heroin guy, bonehead, right? When we were kids, he was a plumber, and he would hire us. That was our summer job. And he'd pick us up at 7. We'd go into the city with him, and he'd shoot heroin in the fucking van. And then we'd watch him, we'd help him. Then we'd take him to Washington Square Park. He'd buy us some beers. We were like 16. He'd shoot more heroin, but he was like a working uh, addict. And I love this motherfucker. Don't judge this motherfucker. This dude was a soldier. He worked 10 hours a day on heroin. How, none of you motherfuckers could work 10 hours a day straight, you little dirty bastards, right? Every 10 minutes, he'd draw a little bit and sperm would come out, whatever, because saliva would come out of his mouth. But he'd fucking snap right out of it, smoke a Marlboro Red, and he was back, right? So... Where was I? Anyway, all right. <laughs> the cookie's in full effect right now. So I talked to him one day, and he's telling me how he moved back to Newark. I go, so you're living with your mother? He's like 40-something. I go, so do you still do heroin? He goes, like, fuck you, yeah, every night. He goes, I cop down in Newark. I cop $7 bags of heroin. I go, send me a couple. Now, you ever have a conversation with somebody, and then you're like, you just try to be cool. You're like, yeah, count me in. Wrong fucking dude, right? <laughs> About a week later, I go to my mailbox, and it was like in Crayola writing, you know. <laughs> like Joey, Coco, he spelled Coco wrong with two Ks and shit. Diaz, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? No return address, right? I take it upstairs, I open it, and there they are. Three little fucking bags of H. White, that Chinese shit that the terrorists are bringing in like a motherfucker <laughs> by the dayload with a picture of Obama on it, balls ass naked, smoking a joint and shit with a white chick licking his fucking nuts like a doctor, right? So I'm like, fuck it. So I'm, I'm doing the blow every night, so there's Monday night. I go, fuck it, tonight's a different night. I'm doing like a little line of his H. And I usually, what I would do, I was fucking crazy. My girlfriend's great. She don't get high, so I would trick her. I go, you gotta go to bed, dog. You gotta get eight hours. You're at that age. You need every fucking... Don't worry about me. I'm a fucking comedian. This is what I do. You got to go to bed right now. And I try to trick her. Fuck you. I'll go read my fucking book. Don't tell me what to do. And I fucking blast off. So after the first Monday, I did the heroin. And I didn't do coke the rest of the week. Hmm. Second week, I did another line of heroin. No coke the rest of the week. This went on for like six weeks. I was fucking cocaine-free the whole summer. Like... Vinny in fucking Greece, right? <laughs> Some 11, whatever the fuck, I'm high. Just work with me, cocksuckers. I'm taping, give me a giggle, fuck it, right? So, uh, this went on for like eight weeks. I was on to something. 
Fuck all these rehabs. I was on the contact CNN. I got the answers, bitches. <laughs> Want to cure cocaine addiction? Give them fucking heroin on Monday. <laughs> this was, I was, this is how fucked up I was, right? I was like believing this shit. Oh, I got to get more heroin. I'm just going to bring an Arab to my fucking house. I'm going to adopt one of these fucking heroin motherfuckers <laughs> to make it right here in LA. Me and him, fuck comedy. <laughs> so I just came to my senses one day, but while all this was going on, there was a cat population growing in my backyard. <laughs> and I had already adopted three of these little motherfuckers, right? And then they had, the problem was they had two, they had the mama who was a dirty whore, then they had two big cats that were slinging dick like, you know, they had the Siamese, the war, the, I called them the samurai, he had big black balls, and he was Siamese. I'm not kidding you, when he'd walk, he'd walk all fucked up. Like this guy fucking meant it. Never talked to me, nine years. Never took a lobster, nothing. He was a soldier, he just tear me down, fuck you, bitch. You ain't buying my fucking love, cocksucker, all right? Then there was a black and white one who was a big cat, and they were both fucking mama, so she kept having kittens, and then they would kill the kittens so she would stop ovulating and get back to fucking. This is how serious these motherfucking cats were, right? Now, how did I learn about this? You know, I did some reading on the internet. When you're doing coke, you stay up late night, and you do investigating, you follow me? So I'm learning all this shit about the cats, and he, we keep killing the kittens. So finally gave bats. I had two Siamese's upstairs that belonged to him, and my regular Finney, and I had Fidel, right? But these Siamese's were fucking sharp. This guy was, had the original bloodline, direct from fucking Taiwan, or wherever the fuck they come from. <laughs> they were killers. The father was a killer guy. He, he was a beautiful cat. He had just lived outside all his life in Hollywood. How fucked up was he? Headshots and shit. That's tough for these fucking good-looking Siamese's, right? So, uh, this last batch, she fucked both of them on the same night. I, I saw it. I saw the whole move from my window. And I'm like, look at this. She fucked both of them, right? And they could do that. And she was like, Aah! Because it hurts them because the cat's dick scratches all the other shit out. It's fucked up. It's fucked up what you learn late night on, on Google. <laughs> so, uh, she had the kittens, and they were beautiful. There were three Siamese kittens and this one black and white dirty motherfucker, right? But the three Siamese's, there's two girls and a boy, DJ. DJ was the best little cat in the world. They lived outside, and I'd step out in my backyard, and I'd go, DJ, and he'd come fucking running like a superhero. And the two little girls would come, and then that super bad, this little black and white would come, and I, they would all hang out around me, but super bad, the black and white one would take DJ and take him up trees and shit, and take him off the territory, would take him on Selma by the YMCA, and I have to get soup bag going, what do you say? I'm going to fucking kill you, cocksucker, right? And I caught myself, even though I love the cats. I would never put a hit on a cat. But in my mind, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill this little fucking cat, right? I'm serious. And I love cats, don't get me wrong. But you know those cats that just get on your last fucking nerve. And you don't know how to do it, but you love animals too much, so you know you're just bullshitting yourself. So I, I'm like, one day he's just gonna get hit by a truck or something. Fucking that little cocksucker. Don't hang with him no more, DJ. And I was just waiting to bring DJ upstairs, and I had a, a chick that was gonna take the two Siamese's and then fuck super bad. I didn't know what the hell was gonna happen to super bad, right? So my addiction's getting worse and worse. And one night I get home, my, and my wife is fucking, like the time she was my girlfriend, she's crying. And she's like, the fucking cat's outside, they're gonna die. And I'm like, what the, what are you talking about? So we got the two girls, we brought them to the vet, and she adopted them out through Petco. And then I go, what are you gonna do with Superbad, that fucking mutt, and DJ, my baby? And she goes, well, I'm gonna bring him up. And I go, leave Superbad outside. Just leave him the fuck outside. That's how much I hated Superbad. <laughs> so I go out one night, and my rule was, people, this is how fucked up in my addicted mind, my rule was never to do coke in the house, because it was bad luck. 
I would always do it in the car. So by the time I got upstairs, I had a shit and I'd run into the bathroom and hide. You follow me? That was the fucking plan. I had a plan. I was an organized cocaine type of motherfucker, right? So this night, something happened. I had to go to the bathroom. I didn't have time. I ran upstairs. And when I got upstairs, my wife goes in the bathroom. The two cats are in the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom and I, I, I do the coke and I'm looking at the both of them. I'm like, I don't even know why she fucking brought you up here. And I go back outside and I do the coke and I probably got some more. I don't know the whole fucking story. And I went to bed. And when I got up, my wife woke me up in the middle of the night. She goes, hey, I just want to tell you that fucking DJ died. And that was the Siamese I was going to adopt, right? And I, when she said it, guys, I fucking knew it was the coke. I fucking knew it. And I just said, do me a favor, close the door. And I cried a little bit. And I put the pillow, I put my sleep apnea mask on first. Then I went to fucking bed, right? And, yeah, whatever, sleep apnea, whatever the fuck it is. I'm a fat dude, right? And then... So I'm laying there thinking, I finished my crying. I go, you know what? That little cat died because I brought the coke upstairs. Even if I fucking hate super bad, that motherfucker's not going to die up here because that's even more bad luck. I had a friend who was a sister-in-law shot himself. They had to move the fuck out of the house. It's bad luck. Fuck it. Somebody ices himself, pack up. Call Geico. You're out of there. It's bad fucking luck. Cat, roach, I don't kill nothing in my fucking house. You understand me? You pick them up and you flick them out the fucking window. I don't want nothing dying in my fucking house. So I said, two fucking cats ain't dying in my house. So I went in there, I got on my hands and knees like a Catholic fucking soldier, and I said, God, if you save these fucking cats, this super bad who I can't stand, I'll never do coke again. And I like winked at him, like, right, whatever. <laughs> I said, God, don't let this motherfucker die. And I promise you, and like the first day I had the shitters, you know, and the second day I would go in, every morning I'd go in the bathroom, I'm like, hey man, is he okay? Yeah, he died. Fuck! You know, but every day I would go in the bathroom and he'd live. Like by the fourth day, I was ready to fucking shoot myself. I was ready just to shoot him and end it. I was going there like, die. Don't you feel like dying yet? It's over. You don't want to live. It's fucking terrible. Things are tough out there. Trust me. This motherfucker lived like a week, so I had to accept it. And uh, that was seven years ago, and I haven't done blow. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how close I am with this filthy motherfucker that I love. Because if you go to my house and you look at my cats, and you look at him, you're like, eh. <laughs> He's like Marilyn on the Munsters. You follow what I'm saying? I got good looking Siamese, and he's like black and white, and he got a little head and shit, but he's fearless. But I'll tell you how much that dude knew I made a promise for him. Because at night, my other cats are cool, but they ain't that fucking cool. But at night, when I go in to my bedroom, I take my slippers off, I put my sleep apnea mask on, I put the fan on, and I lay down, and I pick the blanket up, and I go, super bad. And wherever the fuck this motherfucker is, you hear like, boom, you hear him hit the door, and he jumps next to me, and I put the blanket over him, and that's the end of the fucking night. He's still there, cocksuckers. Stay black. Thank Ari Shafir one more time. tonight. So welcome, Joey Diaz. Uh, this is Not Happening Presents. So messed up, and Joey Diaz, the best storyteller show that I've ever heard in my life. Best storyteller I've ever heard in my life. Nah, you know the deal. I was doing blow for 30 fucking years, and I found this cat. And because of the cat, I stopped getting high for all these years. It was a promise to a cat that helped me out. Yeah, Plain and fucking simple. It's amazing, because you really stopped. When I knew you, you were doing, you were doing blow all the time. Every night. Wow. And then, for 27 years. And then you just stopped cold because of this cat's life. Stop. I, I got a movie. I had to work on the movie for 18 days straight. And, it, and they came to me, and they said they knew I was a fucking coke fiend. Longest yard? 
Oh, yeah, before the movie started, they called me and said, listen, we know you're a fucking co-fiend. Really? Before you sign the contract, think about it. Because the first time you're fucking late, or whatever, you're done. Oh. It was 2007. You know, I didn't know what else. You know, movies weren't coming my way. They offered me 18 days, so I wanted it to just go smooth. And look what happened. Everything works out. And the movie ended up tanking. They couldn't <laughs> even fucking sell it or some shit, so... It's amazing, though, when you quit, people are like, no way. No way did Joey Diaz quit doing coke. But, Done. But you Done. really did. Six years with nothing. No pills, just reefer and edibles. I'm about to eat a fucking Chibo Chew as we speak. That didn't count. What were you on What were you on when you chose Chibo Chews are tremendous? What were you on when that story was told? What were you on one of those? Was those Chibo Chew or was that an Anthony Dolores? I had an Anthony Dolores. I had a Chibo Chew. I had a couple things in me. <laughs> <laughs> you were like glassy-eyed. It was so great. <laughs> you oh, my God. You know, sometimes you eat an edible and you go up on stage and you're really nervous. And all of a sudden, it's like you got no clothes on. You're uninhibited. Yeah. And you don't give a fuck whether people are laughing. They're not laughing. It makes no difference. You're in your world, you know? Yeah. I can care less now, you know? When you first come to L.A., you worry about the laughter. Now, I just worry about my delivery and my timing. And if the story is getting them, you know, yeah. that's the most important thing. Who gives a fuck whether they laugh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, fuck them. Hey, you're, uh, when did you get so good at storytelling? Or is it just something that developed over the years? Uh, listen, I'm from Jersey, you know. You got to hang out in the corners and talk shit. You only got one shot. You know, in Jersey, it's not like everybody's nice here. That don't listen to you tell a bad fucking story. You ever want to dinner with somebody and somebody <laughs> brings their wife and they try to tell you a story? And you want to fucking smash the bucket of, of wine over your fucking head? <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that's the problem. So when you have that, you don't, you know, here we're nice. Somebody tells you a bad story, and you're like, oh, that's so nice, and you move on. In Jersey, you got like 10 seconds. They're like, dog, you're fucking killing me with this shit. When we were in Philadelphia, and we saw, you saw that, that drug deal go down, and I couldn't even, I didn't even notice it. Oh, it was right in front of us. Yeah. It was right in front of us. So it's just weird, you know. I'm not proud of that world, but sometimes everybody has their own private Vietnam, you know? Yeah, it's still part of you. It's still, like, stuff you can talk about. You know, and I didn't want, I didn't want you guys to have to put up with the blunt of people saying, I told you he was a cokehead. You know, I told you he would die from coke. I didn't want my girlfriend slash wife to pick me up off the floor, you know? Yeah. So I did it for all those reasons, and everything worked out, so I'm happy. Was it hard getting off it? Nah. Like the first once month? I, once I went to like the first month, yeah, I was so happy that I got, you know, the time before that, when I was off it, I was locked up. It wasn't something that I wanted to do it. It wasn't by choice. It was something that the circumstances had me, I couldn't do it. You know, when people go to jail, they're like, I haven't drank in eight years. That's because there's no liquor store, you fucking maggot. Let's <laughs> yeah. just put a liquor store in front of you. That's a real test. Yeah. So I hadn't really been clean, so I was locked up in 88. That was the last time I've been clean, so... Wow. This is big time. I'm happy that you let me tell the story. I remember you, when you, when you, uh, when your old place, your old apartment building, when they said, like, you can't have cats here anymore, that's how much you care about those fucking animals. Um, yeah, I, I had to move out. Yeah, you're like, well, I'm, I'm not going to just get rid of them. I'm out. Nah, you know what? You make a commitment to an animal. You got to stick it out, you know? I don't like these people that get animals, and like a year later, they don't want the fucking animal no more. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't fucking do that, you know? You're stuck with them. You made a commitment. I'm responsible for nine fucking cats. 
<laughs> wow, that's 81 lives. That's 81 lives. <laughs> and I love them all the same, you know? <laughs> hey, Joey, where can uh, where can people find out more shit about you if they want to? Your Twitter address is at MadFlavor. Facebook, Joey Coco Diaz. And uh, the webpage is JoeyDiaz.net. JoeyDiaz.net. And you've got a great podcast called uh, The Church of What's Happening. The Church of Absolutely. Mondays and Wednesdays, 6 a.m. on Ustream. 6 a.m. live. So it'll be 9 a.m. on New York time. Man, I can't believe you get up that early to do that every, <laughs> every week. I've called in once. Every morning I get up to do that fucking podcast. And I love it. I love it because I get the people early. You know, I let them know, fuck the news, fuck the car accidents, fuck the politics. It's just about us in the morning. It's about drinking some coffee and smoking a joint and being the best you can be. Every fucking morning before you leave the house. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. One motherfucker at a time. In terms of getting your day started, it's a great way to hear some of these stories. Like like uh, oh, yeah. like all these guys in your past that call in. It's a great yeah, way to get start them going, day. man. I try my hardest. I really enjoy doing the podcast. I'm putting it out there, you know? Yeah, nice. And like John Leather said, if you tell the truth, you won't have as many friends, but you'll have the friends that you want. I like that. And then he got shot to death. <laughs> then what are you going to do? He got shot to death, and he's still telling the fucking truth. Listen to Abbey Rhodes. Dude, when you told me, when you when I was over at your place, and uh, you you played me all that Beatles stuff, the live from the studio thing, and the, uh, and from, the from the roof. The top of the roof for yeah. Abbey Road Studios and shit. Yeah. When John Lennon had a fucking fur on. He yeah. had a fucking fur on, you understand me? On a roof. And, and the other guy had like a, a captain's hat on. They, they didn't give a fuck the Beatles. Yeah. And who was there? Fucking Yoko was there with them. That's right. That's what you showed Yoko me. Yoko was there. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Just sitting sometimes there. Sometimes we can come over, we get high, we look at all music videos and shit. It's beautiful. Yeah. YouTube is the best thing on the computer. Uh, it really is. You just go from spot to spot. After we did that, I, I texted Bill Burr. I was like, Bill, I know you don't smoke pot, but you got to smoke some pot with Joey Diaz and watch music videos. It's like why? I'm like, because it's the because you like music and it's the greatest fucking history lesson to to know all those things. You would tell me how like when songs came on. I remember this now. When songs came on, you would go run to the other room to do blow like certain songs, like the the disco era. Oh fuck yeah! I love all that craziness. I would go home at night when I was like a kid in the '80s. Yeah. And I would take like a hit of THC Crystal, which is basically angel dust, and I'd go home and listen to fucking Black Sabbath, all fucked yeah. up with the earphones on and. And I do a couple lines of coke to really take me there. Because I never liked, a lot of people were confused. They're like, this motherfucker does coke before he goes on stage. And that was a lie. I can never do it. I found that out my first year in comedy on St. Patty's Day. I tried to do coke and go on stage. It was a disaster. I never did it again. I didn't like even doing it the night before and getting on stage. Oh, really? Like if I had a big show, yeah, because I couldn't control my words. Oh. But I would always go to the store. And on the way home, that's the only reason why I even left the house to go to a spot. Was to get me out of the house to get a package. <laughs> package. And I had three or four different dealers. I had El Compadre. I had the black dude. I had the Armenian dude. Mm -hmm. I had a Mexican that lived on Sunset and Western. I had a couple dudes. I didn't even let them know I was doing it every night. I would switch around <laughs> so, and go to different guys. So they each thought you were a casual user? <laughs>
my world was just a blur. I would oh. I would cut. I wouldn't stop for red lights. Did you know that? Just to get just to go get the stuff. Just to get the ATM machine and pull out my sixty bucks <sighs> to go get it. I would never stop for red lights. You'd run red lights to go do something super illegal. I wouldn't stop for a red light till I had the blow in my hand. And once I got it in my hand, I would brush it up as I was driving. And at the first red light, I'd stop and I'd do half the fucking gram. And then I'd wait till I get to the next light. And I'd do half the gram. Then I'd get home. I'd run upstairs and I'd shit. And I'd jerk off and I'd go to bed about four in the fucking morning. That's the, the star life of the addiction. Didn't you That's say- what they don't tell you, you yeah. know? The creepy shit. Yeah, 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 exactly. They never put that in movies, just like the normal. Like, they always show you that like, you having a good time, and you getting your dicks up, and you're spitting in chicks' mouths and shit, and you're putting coke rocks <laughs> in their asshole. They always show you that, but they don't show you the ugly part. <laughs> when you're losing your fucking house, and you got to suck some black cock. To... <laughs> All right, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you want to see video of these stories, don't forget to go to cc.com slash T-I-N-H. You can see videos and extended versions of every one of these stories. You can also go to Comedy Central's YouTube page to see the stories as well. For all the comedy nerds out there. You've been listening to a podcast from Comedy Central Studios.